Hi ho, Kermit the Frog here, and welcome to Your machine in this go under flumey flumey. Exactly. Ah, hiya, hiya, thank you, thank you, and thank you. I wonder if the band is ready now. Will you stop this foolishness? What foolishness would you like to see? And at no time will we be stooping to any cheap 3D tricks. Did you say cheap 3D tricks? Uh... This is your Walt Disney World picture phone operator. How may I be of assistance? Ah, that's funny! Yeah, good, good. Check, 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 up, 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 check. Are you a man? Or a Muppet? I've got a whole new act to the 3D movie. Just wait here, I'll get him. W. everybody, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World Information Station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 251 for the week of December 4th, 2011. With the popularity of the recent Muppet movie release, many of us are looking back fondly at our love of the Muppets, growing up seeing them on TV and in film. But for Walt Disney World fans, the Muppets also had a presence in Disney's Hollywood Studios in addition to Muppet Vision 3D for many years. This week, we'll hop aboard my Walt Disney World Wayback Machine and look at the marriage of Disney and the Muppets, the Muppets at Walt Disney World TV special, shows and attractions in the parks, what could have and should have been, and the future of the Muppets in the Disney parks. I'll have the answers and winner of last week's Where in the World Have You Heard This contest, a few announcements, and then play more of your voicemails at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. It's time for the show. Um, oh, where is everybody? Um, <clears throat> uh, hi there. I'm Kermit the Frog, and we're, uh, well, we're, we're almost ready. <laughs> In 2009, when Disney announced that there would be a new Muppets movie coming in 2011, you heard not only the thunderous applause from the room at the D23 Expo in California, but the laughter and maybe even saw a little bit of a tear form when the Muppets came out on stage to perform. It marked what history may look back on as the beginning of the return of the Muppets in a way that we who grew up with things like Sesame Street and the Muppet Show and the Muppet Movie and the rest of, the, rest of the Muppets, as a formative part of our childhood, were very, very excited about. But more than two decades ago, the Muppets weren't only still going strong, but were making the leap from two dimensions to three, as the joining of the Henson and the Disney forces brought the Muppets to life and the theme parks in Walt Disney World. And while the original dreams and concepts may have never been fully realized, there were a number of attractions and shows which gave us a chance to watch, sing along with, and maybe even hug our favorite Muppets. And so joining me this week to go back in time on the WDW Radio Wayback Machine is one of my favorite Muppets. He's part Beaker, part Bunsen Honeydew with a little bit of Scooter thrown in. He also knows it's not easy being green. He is, of course, Ryan Wilson from MainStreetGazette.com. Ryan, welcome back. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Sorry. 
It's great to be back. I was wondering what the over-under of the first Muppet voice was going to be. You, you know, and I have a, quite a few in my head, and that wasn't the one I thought would come out first. <laughs> so I, I associated you in my mind with, with a couple of Muppets. Who do you, what Muppet do you, are you, first of all, are you a man or are you a Muppet? Am I a man or am I a Muppet? And what Muppet do you associate with yourself, yourself with most? I, I think I have to say uh, I'm a Muppet of a man. Because <laughs> I'm I said, a very manly Muppet, by the way. <laughs> they, well, see, look, we, we had the pair there. That works. Uh, Muppet I associate with, you know, I've tried to figure this out. Um, my wife says I'm Kermit because I, you know, I have this, this drive to want to help people and people can rally around. So. So we'll go with that. I may, you know, I may be able to do more voices of piggy and animal, but that, but we'll say Kermit for now. I do a great Doc Hopper, by the way. That's, that's my <laughs> voice. Doc Hopper is French fried frog legs. So you know, we're we're showing our ages. Um, don't yeah, I, mean, like, I have Miss Piggy's chop. You know, hi, <laughs> you know, animal, hi, lady. You know, but I have a feeling, Ryan Wilson, that you are not the only. 30 plus person who has been doing Muppet voices uh, over the past couple of weeks because obviously timing is everything and the new Muppets movie just came out and we were talking offline about this sort of this resurgence in our love of the Muppets especially those of us who grew up with them and you could see that this Muppet movie is a true you know labor of love it is a passion project for Jason Siegel and it was created by somebody who love the Muppets as much as, as much as we do. And over the years, again, sort of being Disney fans and Muppet fans, we have been treated to the presence of the Muppets in Walt Disney World in a number of different ways. There were some concepts that we never got to see. But, you know, I remember looking back to, uh, I guess it was sort of late 89, probably September, October or so, when Disney announced this agreement with Henson Studios to sort of build an attraction over at Hollywood, Stu- at, sorry, MGM Studios, uh, and it just so seemed like that natural marriage. Right, and there are so many people who talked about this was not really a merger, it was a marriage because they seemed so well intertwined, and you had Jim Henson saying you know, he couldn't think of a better company to, to bring his, his family of Muppets into. Uh, it, was, it was this incredible time, and the ideas of stuff that were coming down the line, and the the little glimpses you saw were just incredible. And I sort of think about uh, when George Lucas talked about working with Disney. It was that same kind of thing. It was George Lucas was a Disney fan. He felt if I was going to work with anybody, it would be Disney. And Henson said the same thing. He goes, you know, I love Disney. I love the Disney image. I grew up on Disney movies. And like the rest of us, Disney movies were sort of major events in his upbringings. And he loved the theme park. So for like George Lucas being able to tell his stories now in a three-dimensional environment, that's exactly what uh, Disney afforded Jim Henson to do. And actually, at the time, I remember uh, there's a quote Michael Eisner talking about how big this really was. And he said, just about every newspaper in the country featured our joining with the Muppets as if it was a merger of GM and Ford, because that's how big these two family-centric entertainment giants coming together was really they thought at the time was supposed to be. Yeah, and it would have been incredible if we had actually gotten to that point. But really, you, know, you look at the studios in those early years. It was a park for, for people like me and you. You know, It was our era. We had the Muppets. We had 
you know, George Lucas in Star Wars. It was everything that we had grown up loving tied in with Disney, and it was an incredible just, you know, smorgasbord. Yeah, and and right off the bat, like they, they didn't waste a lot of time introducing us to this marriage. And just like Walt had done early on with the wonderful world of Disney, uh, Eisner and Disney sort of leveraged their television presence by introducing the Muppets there and their presence in Walt Disney World because in 1990, uh, I guess it was early, probably May 1990, they air a television special called The Muppets at Walt Disney World. Yeah, this is extraordinary. It was Kermit was going down to the swamp and all the Muppets came with him, but they ended up in the parks and they ended up animal tackling ice cream trucks. You have the uh, Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem doing all kinds of, doing a world tour and world showcase. Uh, it was really, it was this great way to bring the Muppets and tie them into Disney World and start that foundation. And we've talked about our, our love of some of the early television specials and how we sort of miss having these come back. And this was brilliant because it did a number of things. A, it showcased elements and areas and attractions in Walt Disney World so it didn't come across as a commercial, which it kind of was. And B, it also showcased now there's something, there's another reason to come down. And even from the very beginning, you really got a sense of just how big they thought this was going to be. So that, that the introduction to the special featured Michael Eisner in the lobby of the Grand Floridian, having tea with Fozzie and his mother. And they do a little sort of funny Muppet segment where they come in and they sort of, they're wiping butter off of his sleeve and things go horribly wrong. But his last line, and it's, it was two words, but it was sort of very much foreshadowing was, they're here, like, here they come, and this is just going to be the beginning of what uh, is going to come. And again, like you said, they showcased all the different theme parks that made it look like one giant park. And that sort of natural connection between, you know, Kermit the Frog and Mickey Mouse. Absolutely. And there, and there was a lot of that interplay. And you had Kermit with a very young Raven Simone uh, doing Rainbow Connection. Uh, you had just incredible things. You, you were seeing the studios. A lot of guests weren't, hadn't seen the studios yet. They hadn't been to the park yet. So this was their kind of glimpse into what that park was going to be. You have Miss Piggy on Star Tours on Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. But it always looked like it was just across the street. Yeah, and they took, you know, they did a very, uh, and you can find this still on YouTube and, and a couple of places online. Uh, I'd love to see them sort of re-release this somehow in a, in a nicely uh, digital format on DVD or something. But how they sort of brought both onstage and even backstage elements. So do you remember the part where um, Gonzo and Camilla and the chickens, they went to the laundry facilities. So they're sort of trying to give a sense of just how big in scope Walt Disney World was and if you haven't been here in a long time oh by the way we've got the studios now and here's a way to see some of these new attractions yeah they were they were in the the utilidors and they were down in the laundry facilities and it, it made it look like these you know the underground caverns the underground tunnels the utilidors went all the way to the studios because they pop up at one point in the middle of Indiana Jones epic stunt spectacular where Kermit's playing Indiana Jones and it just the thing about it too was they tried to and I think they did well make it look very natural to see the Muppets in Walt Disney World, almost sort of foreshadowing maybe a much grander long-term plan to actually have them much more present in some other areas of the parks as well. Right, because at the time there was that plan in place of a very big footprint for the Muppets. And again, too, it just, it, it, 
by doing things like at the end, by having the Disney theme song, When You Wish Upon a Star, and sort of the unofficial Muppet theme song of the Rainbow Connection, Shed a Tear When You Hear It, by sort of bringing those two at the end, it was, okay, you know, this is it, folks. This is the beginning of what is to come. And again, as plans were laid out, that was the beginning of some very, very big plans, especially coming to uh, Disney's Holly, uh, sorry, Disney MGM Studios. Yeah, they uh, you did. You had that, and even Kermit and and Mickey seem to have this relationship. You know, they talk on the phone like they're old friends, and it was like these two families coming together, and we were going to go forth and see all the things they could bring with them. And there were a lot of plans already on the table. Again, they did not waste very much time planning out uh, a lot of what was going to be coming to specifically Disney MGM Studios. In fact. It, it wasn't going to be a single attraction or a single show. There was going to be an entire land. There was going to be a Muppet movie land or a Muppet Studios, as it was sometimes called, coming to the park. And I actually rem- remember seeing the signs on the backlot tour on the sides of the red trams saying basically coming soon. Uh, I think at the time it was called they were calling it Muppet Studios. Yes, and it had like these blueprints, like almost these big banners with blueprints. I can I have a very similar memory of seeing these things and just you know, at that time, I was like, "This is going to be amazing." And there were there were so many plans. There were plans for restaurants, for attractions, for shows. They were going to have their own whole land. Yeah, and there was going to be a great Muppet movie ride, uh, an- possibly another three D movie, the Great Gonzo's Pandemonium Pizza Parlor, which stands where Mama Melrose's is. The Magnificent Muppet All Star Parade was going to go up and down Hollywood Boulevard every day, which was going to feature. All of the Muppets. And actually, if you go back to show number 169 uh, from May of 2010 uh, over at WDWRadio.com or on iTunes, Jim Corcus and I uh, wander Hollywood Studios and we talk about the Muppets that never were. We talk in depth about some of these proposed concepts that never made it both in and out of the parks, both in Disney World and in Disneyland. And we really sort of take a look back in time to uh, what, at the time concepts of the Muppets were going to be. And I think now, Ryan, we can when we're done today, we're going to talk some more about maybe potentially what the future of the Muppets is in Walt Disney World. It, it looks like a bright future, doesn't it? It does. And there's, there's a lot of us who are very, very excited. Uh, again, we, when many of us walked out of the Muppets movie uh, this past week or so, right around Thanksgiving, I was watching the social networks. I was watching a lot of the dialogue and, and speaking with friends on and offline. And you started to hear things like, bring back the Muppet Show. What are they going to do with Hollywood Studios? They've got this big land over in the corner. And people started getting excited again about the possibility of the Muppets coming back to Walt Disney World. But what I want to do today is I want to go back in time. I want to look at some of the things that were there, some of the things that maybe people may have forgotten and take a look back at some of the uh, shows and some of the attractions uh, that were there, some for a couple of years, some for not very long at all, and some that were uh, very unique, I think, in, in their presentation <laughs> and their format. Yeah. The, unique is is almost a synonym for Muppet, I believe. <laughs> so here's your, here's your question for the day. Technically, what was the very first Walt Disney World attraction to feature or to include the Muppets? If 
if my memory serves, I believe that was was that Hollywood's Pretty Woman. You are a good Googler, my friend. No, I do. You know I your do stuff. my my legwork. You know your stuff absolutely. Because I remember says, "Oh, the Muppets' presence in Walt Disney World began at Muppet Vision 3D." We're going to show that that's not true. And a lot of people think about some of the other attractions we're going to talk about, like "Here Come the Muppets." But yeah, the first show was back at the original Theater of the Stars on Hollywood Boulevard at the old Disney MGM Studios, and it was Hollywood's Pretty Woman. And it was sort of a uh, a tribute to the the women uh, of uh, old Hollywood, including Judy Garland, Carmen Miranda, Madonna, and of course Miss Piggy and Kermit come out at the end too. Right. It was the show was around Rat, Roger Rabbit visiting the studios and Mickey and Minnie having their own nightclub, wanting to impress him. And they do at this star-studded event, you know, paying homage to the to the women of Hollywood. And of course, Piggy cannot let that slide. Right. And. It was actually a very short-lived show, so for those people that don't remember it, I mean, it literally only lasted just a few months, um, but it was the one show, and correct me if I'm wrong, that actually was completed and debuted and performed while Jim Henson was still alive. Yes, it was the only one that came out while he was alive. Principal Photography had finished on Muppet Vision, but the attraction hadn't debuted yet. Yeah, because the first attraction to really open up, uh, which was in May, about May 25th or so, 1990, was Here Come the Muppets. And, you know, we could talk at length, uh, but we should at least address sort of why some of these things never came to be, because there was all this excitement around this Henson-Disney merger. And unfortunately, it fell apart uh, very publicly uh, in a very grand scale and very quickly because Jim Henson passed away uh, just about 10 days before Here Come the Muppets premiered at Disney's at Disney MGM Studios. Right. As the story goes, he, he was all ready to, to sign on with Disney. He passed away the week he was going to sign the contracts. And his family decided, and I don't blame them in the least, if it were my father, I would want to keep my father's company. Uh, and so the and so negotiations fell apart. Yeah, and it's the timing was was very, very odd. So you have the Muppets at Walt Disney World and that live special – air uh, about 10 days before he passes away, and then Here Come the Muppets premieres just nine days later. Yeah, we get caught in that, caught in that little in-between area. You know, it did cause problems. You know, there were legal wrangling over Muppet Vision 3D, but we did, you know, in, his, in the wake of his passing, we did get Here Come the Muppets, you know, which was the first major presence of the Muppets in the park. Right, and this was really supposed to kick off that relationship, you know, the the Muppets of Walt Disney World was sort of the introduction, and here come the Muppets was going to be that first realization of what that merger was going to be because the, the Muppets were going to have a physical sort of semi-permanent presence in the Disney MGM Studios. Um, you know, they had they they played in what at the time was known as the Animation Courtyard Theater uh, in an attraction that was not a film like Muppet Vision 3D, but at least for the time being was going to introduce the Muppets to Walt Disney World before Muppet Vision 3D was actually finished, but in a a live stage show where you saw the Muppets in a very sort of different, you know, we're just seeing them on screen without legs and feet other than maybe in the Muppet movie, but here they were standing sort of life-sized walking around. Right, these were full-sized people in costumes, you know, lip-syncing to a soundtrack that had, you know, Jim Henson, Frank Oz, Steve Whitmire, all, the, all these talented voices and they were carrying on and when i say lip sync you know we have to this was before we had this was decades before we had dream along with mickey but these were characters that could move their mouths right and and that's the thing that 
fascinated me about it because right now there's a lot of excitement about some videos that are coming out uh, of Mickey interacting with guests sort of uh, almost in a turtle talk with crush kind of way but Mickey is actually moving but you're right dream along with Mickey was when we first started to see Mickey and his friends move his mouth but you forgot that decades earlier this is what was going on this is what the Muppets were doing on stage uh they were they were sort of very well synced up to uh the soundtrack and the lyrics and the songs and everything else like that and then it sort of stopped after uh here come the muppets yeah it was just, it was just really weird you know this was where the technology was going it looked great the muppets see the bit disproportional to their to their size <laughs> but it was this great way to view them and it, we never saw it. we didn't see it again for 20 plus years yeah, and if you're trying to re- remember where the show took place, uh, it's very easy to spot. It, it sort of was at the end of, if you recall, the, the walking part of the backstage tour, but it's in the theater that's now being used for Voyage of the Little Mermaid. Um, and if you look online, I'll try and put a couple in the show notes, you may find a couple of pictures of the old marquee and the sign where the current Little Mermaid sign sits. But it was a really neat theater show. Um, there was a queue that had a lot of like Muppet Vision, uh, fun and funny Muppet posters, and there was a video of Ralph playing the piano. And when you walked inside, uh, you can see that Kermit was sort of surprised to see the audience there because they're getting ready to sort of put on a show for us. Right, and and you had that great, you know, it's almost like a a prelude to what we would get in Muppet Vision with the cues, you know, this great video. But Kermit, you know, Kermit comes in. And none of the other Muppets are around, and he's in panic mode, and Mickey's calling him. He wants to see how the show is going, and we haven't even begun the show. Right, and so there's a couple of interesting things there is that, A, Mickey is calling on the video phone. And again, think this is 1989, 1990. You know, the idea of video calling, this was things that we were seeing over at Epcot Center as being so futuristic and really cool. And again, first thing right out of the box is that – showing the existence of this friendship and this relationship with Mickey and Kermit. Oh, my gosh. It, it, it's time for the show. Um, oh, where is everybody? Um, <clears throat> uh, hi there. I'm Kermit the Frog, and we're, uh, well, we're, we're almost ready. Fozzie? Uh, uh, Gonzo? Piggy? Hello? <laughs> Hiya, Kermit. It's Mickey. Uh, Mickey? I'm calling on the picture phone to see how the show's going. Oh, it's going, uh, uh, uh great. Just great. How does the audience like it? They, they love it. Uh, just listen to this applause. <laughs> Sounds swell. I can't wait to see it. Me too. What'd you say? Uh, nothing, Mickey. Listen, I gotta run. Uh, bye now. Uh, so long. And they go right into, and again, this sort of dates the attraction, but I remember Lily Lily Tomlin as being the telephone operator. That was one of her gags, and they sort of reprise, she reprises her role there as the picture phone operator, and she's got a great joke that she gives to Kermit. A gracious hello. This is your Walt Disney World picture phone operator. How may I be of assistance? Uh, uh, well, you see... Maybe you'd like a reservation at the Chefs de France restaurant. They have a special on frog's legs. Ick, uh, uh, look, you, you don't understand. Sir, we at the phone company are trained to be understanding. Oh, good. Well, I'm trying to reach Miss Piggy. Would that call be person to person? Uh, no, it's more like frog to pig. <laughs> frog to pig, to each his own. I'll connect you. 
Yeah, you can see she came. She's chuckling to herself. <laughs> you know, and and for everyone who remembers Lily Tomlin, and this is dating ourselves. This is from laughing. This is her Ernestine phone operator character. You know, the second time Kermit calls her, she's already given him attitude. You know, and it and it was great. She was the only real person we get to see in the entire attraction. Absolutely. We do, we do see a lot of other characters live on stage. We do see a couple of other characters on the video phone. So, for example, she call, he calls Miss Piggy, tells her to get ready, calls Fozzie, who is lost, but obviously just on the opposite side of the stage door. And one of the most memorable parts of the attraction for me was not the singing and dancing routines, but when the monorail, monorail red crashes through the wall and the electric mayhem band comes out. Hiya, hiya, thank you, thank you, and thank you. Oh, good. Now, where's everybody else? Oh, they're coming on the monorail. But, Fozzie, the monorail doesn't come through here. It does now. <laughs> monorail! Oh, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, introducing Dr. Teeth, that's yours truly, and the Electric Mayhem. Oh, yeah. And I like the fact that the show, they didn't sort it, it's not like you were watching a, a film. It was somewhat interactive in that they spoke to the audience. Like they acknowledged that the audience was there. So Animal comes out and he points to somebody and he says, hi, lady. And, and they very much sort of play to the fact that the audience is there while this is all going on. And it, again, kind of odd seeing Animal like that. You imagine him as a sort of a skinny, big headed, fuzzy head Muppet. But when he comes out and he's, you know, five and a half feet, six feet tall, uh, it was very sort of odd to see it in that way. But this is this is sort of the beginning of, of us seeing the Muppets like that in here. Um, and again, it was uh, Gonzo was there. Bean Bunny, who we really got to be introduced to in a big way at Muppet Vision 3D, are out there. And then they start doing... Uh, they start doing the show. They start performing the show. So Gonzo and Bean Bunny, they start singing Make Them Laugh. Miss Piggy comes out. She does her song uh, entitled Personality. And Kermit and Fozzie, they're all sort of dancing and singing backup. So it is sort of this rousing musical vaudevillian style number. Hey, Fozzie, hit it. Right, it's very reminiscent of the Muppet Show and the musical acts the way they put them on the Muppet Show, you know. And you had a great "Singing in the Rain" reference with with "Make them Laugh," you know. So you have it at the Great Movie Ride and now over with the Muppets. You know, it was always a little disconcerting to me to see the Muppets in their regular Muppet form on the video phone <laughs> right. and then suddenly walk through a door and be six feet tall. And but. Um, and then the whole gang gets together with the finale with the Electric Mayhem, and they're doing the heart of rock and roll in Shout. Yeah, so, you know, Shout is sort of that, it, it, you almost get a sense of, that they're doing like, kind of like a rock concert at the end. And they play that Huey Lewis song, which again, sort of locks it into a, a place in time. It's very much locked in the 80s there. And then the shout finale is kind of like Animal House, pardon the pun, a little bit more friend- friendly 
but uh, sort of that very much, um, you know, high energy, foot stomping kind of thing that, again, the audience kind of gets involved in as well. Yeah, everyone gets a verse. They're trying to get them up. They're trying to get them engaged. Uh, Yeah, but like you said, a more family-friendly version. Yeah. And the thing too, again, a lot of people don't remember uh, Here Come the Muppets because it only lasts a little bit more than a year. It only lasts until about early September, maybe September 2nd or so, 1991, before it was replaced uh, by Voyage of the Little Mermaid. And it's not because I think the show wasn't popular and wasn't interesting, but because this was almost kind of something that they had uh, as a placeholder until they can start bringing in some of the other shows. And just two weeks later, after Here Come the Muppets closes, uh, Muppets on Location, Days of Swine and Roses, I'm not making that up, debuts. Absolutely. And you you do get the sense that it was so far removed from what the rest of the Muppet area was going to be. That they had that it was only there until they could find something else to fill that void. And with the you know renaissance of Disney animation coming with The Little Mermaid, that was clearly the way they were going to go in that corner. And so we get a, a Muppet Show debut, debuting right next to Muppet Vision 3D. Right, and it's if you're trying to sort of envision where this took place, because this was not your typical indoor performance. This was, <coughs> excuse me, it was outdoors. Um, in sort of a loading dock type type backdrop where they were able to allow the audience to become very much a participatory aspect of the show and let cars drive in and out and have autograph sessions. But if you're envisioning when you walk out of Muppet Vision 3D, if you look to your right where at one point was the Lightning McQueen and Tomater meet and greet, I think currently it's a Phineas and Ferb meet and greet, there is that uh, facade of a loading dock area. And that whole area was reserved for this Muppets on location, outdoor stage show, dance party, autograph session. Extra. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it had a little bit of everything. You, know, you were you were extras in this production that they were putting on. It started with Electric Mayhem singing Hey, It's a Movie and introducing us to the other characters, Kermit, Fozzie, Gonzo, Miss Piggy. Uh, and it, at some point in the middle, they would all break away and do autographs. Yeah, and again... You know, we, I think for the most part, think about the Muppets as being the hand up the back, two sticks on the hands, operated style puppets. But again, as somebody who grew up with Sesame Street, you kind of remember that Sesame Street and even sort of live things that they were doing, uh, they did start branching and and sort of bringing those Muppets and puppets into a more um, three-dimensional, full-scale type of environment. So... This is you start seeing them this way, and here come the Muppets. Now they start doing it here at Muppets on Location. They also are going to start having Muppet walk-around characters in the park too. So these are sort of transitory ways to sort of introduce people to that. And again, instead of just having sort of sit-down meet and greets, as this show is going on, they sort of have a, a musical intermission, which is a little odd, and ha- and maybe it was a way to sort of keep guests there and keep them engaged and entertained. And they had an autograph session in the middle of the show. Yeah. Miss Piggy, Kermit, they all had their own little trailers, their own little corners where you can go and get autographs with them. And while you're doing that, you have the Electric Mayhem giving you giving you like a little little 
little mini concert, <laughs> I guess I should put it. But the thing, singing things like Great Balls of Fire, On the Road Again, Yakety Sacks, Feelings, and Obla Di Obla Da. So it, it's kind of it's interesting and it's it's tough for us to sort of explain because it seems somewhat disjointed. But the it, it starts off with the electric mayhem. Sort of they introduce us to the fact that they're filming a new Muppet movie because remember this was the Disney MGM Studios and the idea was you were really on a studio lot. So if you looked around this area, you'd see Miss Piggy and another. She has her pink trailer there. There's another pink trailer parked off on the side, and she she literally rolls in. Uh, they're, they're about to film this new show called Days of Swine and Roses and she's driven in uh, in a pink Cadillac along with Bean Bunny. And, and so it, it gives you a sense that you're sort of outside in the middle of this real live movie set. Right. And if you consider this location, you, you look off in one direction and you have the street, the well, New York Street at the time and all those facades. And so it did. You had this feel of this is just another production taking place. Yeah. And so her car came down from where the current enclosed theater is, remember at the time it was it was an open theater mm-hmm. uh, where eventually where Hunchback of Notre Dame uh, ended up playing. So it sort of came from that way, kind of off in the distance where Lights Motors Action currently is. And you're right, they played a lot of very familiar classic songs like Great Balls of Fire. I think Zoot playing Yakety Sax, sort of the Benny Hill song, was awesome. <laughs> that was one of my favorite parts. <laughs> um, and then sort of they go into that that rousing finish. Um, Miss Piggy sings 42nd Street and Lullaby of Broadway and everything's coming up roses. Uh, and uh, while that time was going on, they also sort of the, the actors took a break. They sat down on sort of studio chairs and started doing meet and greets and autograph sessions. So it made it a longer show as opposed to them doing the show and then having the autograph sessions right after. Yeah, this is about the same time I can remember with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, who they did their little show and then came and did autographs, and then and then left the you know left in their in their van. This was much different. This was uh, you know, it did make it a longer show, but you got that chance to really get an interaction with these characters. Yeah, and this show, you know, it ran for a long time, relatively speaking. It ran for about three years. So, you know, interesting as it was, because it wasn't really a permanent stage. There was no seats outside. It did run probably about five times a day was their quote-unquote shooting schedule. Uh, But it really was neat because it wasn't like you had to watch them, like on the Beauty and the Beast, you know, where, where it's a stage show. They were right in front of you, and you very much felt like an interactive part of that. Yeah, I mean, they actually had like the wooden barricades that you would have at a concert to keep you away from them, to keep some semblance of distance between you and these characters. And it also started to set, pardon the pun, the stage for that area because that was going to be where the Muppets were really going to take over. That's what this area was going to be. So 
again, you've got Muppet Vision there. You have the Stage One Company Store. Mama Melrose's was supposed to be the Pandemonium Pizza Parlor. So this whole area was going to be sort of a, a, a mini Muppet land, and it would have made sense to have these characters coming in and out and walking around as well. Right, and you can see that even today with that very – it all has that same industrial brick feel. The sidewalks are the same all throughout this area, whether it's Mama Melrose's or It's a Wonderful Shop or any of those pieces now. It still had that feel of the cohesive corner that was perfectly built for the Muppets. And if you turn around and look up over on the top of the building, you'll still see the Miss Piggy sign, that sort of neon pink Miss Piggy sign. Uh, it's still sitting up there. So that's been around there for a long time, again, sort of setting the stage for what this area was originally supposed to be. And who knows, may eventually become in the future. Yeah, anything's possible today, isn't there? And I think, you know, again, this show lasted for three years, and obviously Muppet Vision 3D has remained. The Muppets did have a, a small presence again in the Stars and Motor Cars parade, which lasted for about six and a half years. They had a, a Muppet car that had, a, uh, if you remember, sort of the, the giant blimp, which looks like the the balloon that's above Muppet Vision now. Uh, the, at Sweetums was there, and Miss Piggy and Kermit were in the car. That was sort of their other presence in, in the parks, other than what is there in Muppet Vision right now. And again, timing being everything, the Muppets movie comes out to huge response this week, both fan and critical response. It gets a 98-something on Rotten Tomatoes, which is like unheard of. Uh, so it's getting both the critical and the fan and nostalgia appeal. Disney announces that on the Disney Fantasy, their latest cruise ship, their version of the midship detective agency, that interactive game, which I loved on the Disney Dream, is going to be a Muppets version. They're going to have a Muppet game on there now. Uh, it's going to be called the... Um, the Case of the Stolen Show. Thank you. I had a, I had a mental hiccup there. Yeah, <laughs> and it, they're going to have Kermit and Piggy and Fozzie and Gonzo and Peppy, who I love, doing that same kind of thing. So this is maybe that first hint of the introduction of the Muppets coming back and the Muppets maybe, you know, we've been asking for, we've been looking for it for years, saying they, they've got this brand, they've got these characters, they've got this legacy of the Muppets. Why are we not seeing them more in the parks, in the films, you know, somewhere? Is this maybe the first step towards bringing those back or to a, a, an increased presence, especially with the response that Disney has gotten? You know, it's got me thinking. We have the Kim Possible World Showcase Adventure in Epcot, the Sorcerers of Magic Kingdom coming to Magic Kingdom. They've been playtesting this Wilderness Explorers game in Animal Kingdom. And now with this game that we're going to have on the Fantasy with the Muppets, I think a similar type Muppet mystery game would be perfect to, to fill in those corners of the studios because they can fit everywhere from Sunset to the back lot. Anywhere you want to put them, you can find a way to tie it to the Muppets. I agree with you. I agree with you. It's a, it's a perfect fit over at the studios. I think the Muppet has such a broad appeal to adults and to children. Look, my kids were introduced to the Muppets by me buying and showing them all of the original Muppet shows on DVD and the, the Muppet films on DVD, which they loved. So they fell in love with these characters the same way that I did by seeing yeah. them on those TV shows. Uh, I think that these interactive games offer what I like to sort of term as, as another layer of the onion so you can come to the parks and enjoy the attractions and the shows on their face but when you come back over and over again and want to do more and experience more and become more of an interactive part of the experience that's what games like Kim Possible Midship Detective Agency Source of the Magic Kingdom are going to do and for years I continue to throw out the question 
because there is some space that they could use over at the studios. Would you like to see a Star Wars-themed land or a Muppet-themed land? And I, I ask it occasionally because if you ask it during Star Wars weekends or when the next star, you know, the, the George Lucas releases his 17th iteration of the movies on <laughs> Blu-ray, people are like, oh, Star Wars land. And uh, look, take the Backlot Express and make it a Star Wars cantina, and I would eat there every single day. Um I have to give credit to somebody who one night during a newscast on live chat said they should make a small um, snack area and it should be called Admiral Snack Bar. (laughs) (laughs) Forgive me that I don't remember uh, who said it, but he said the tagline could be, it's a snack. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But if you ask now, which I did on last night's newscast, would you rather have a Star Wars themed area or a Muppet themed area? Like 95% of the people were like Muppet, Muppet, Muppet. Yeah, it's a very it's a very topical point, isn't it? You know, someone like me, I want both. Can I have both? And then somewhere in the middle, we get like a Muppet Star Wars attraction, like or show. You know, can we have it all? Well, we can because, and that's what they're doing. So this probably just in time for Christmas, and maybe even by the time the show airs, you're going to see that continued merging and marriage of not only Disney and the Muppets, but Star Wars and the Muppets, because they're mm-hmm. going to have the Star Wars Muppet figures being sold. So they already have the Star Wars Disney figures, so you'll get Jedi Mickey and Darth Donald, but now you're going to get Beaker as C-3PO. You're going to have, I think Sam the Eagle is, he may be the Emperor. I don't remember exactly who they are, but all those classic characters are now being married. So you've got this sort of three-way thing going on with Disney, Star Wars, and Muppets, and yeah, I think they can and possibly should all coexist very well in that section of Hollywood Studios, and you want to talk about really invigorating uh, the Hollywood, and not that it needs it because Toy Story waits are still 3,000 minutes by 10 o'clock <laughs> in the morning, but you want to you know, leverage these brands and these relationships that you have, the Muppets and Star Wars in that section of Hollywood Studios, it, it just seems like a natural progression, especially again, with the success of the Muppet film and this, this, re, this new interest multi-generation in the Muppets. And you had the happy circumstance of when they built Star Tours and when they built Muppets, they were already right next door. I mean, from the entrance of Tatooine Traders, you can see the entrance to Muppet Vision. It's all already right there. So so why not go ahead and let's start putting that brand all together and, and coming up with some really great shows and some really great attractions. Yeah, and I think that especially now too with, um, you know, maybe time has a way of healing wounds, um, and especially now, it looks like the relationship is much better uh, with Henson and with Disney and with everybody else. I would love to hear from listeners what they feel about the Muppets coming to Walt Disney World. Would they like to see more Muppets come in there? If so, it what in what kind of way? I mean, look, Muppet Vision 3D, Ryan, has remained, other than in a sort of a digital upgrade, uh, to the, the film quality exactly the same as it did when it debuted literally decades ago and the laughs no matter how many times you see it the gags still generate the same laughs people still love that show whether it's their first time or their hundredth time seeing it you know can Muppet Vision continue on exactly the way it is should it be upgraded should it be refreshed does it need to be you know I don't really feel like it does I feel like the show is timeless in those capacity. You know, where we talked about the other two shows kind of dated themselves with their musical selections. 
Muppet Vision stayed clear of all of those elements and created this timeless show. You know, the only thing you get that that's kind of dated is the balloon when the wall blows up outside in the you know in the on the walkway. Otherwise, this show really stands the test of time. I'll sit there and watch the entire Q show just because of all the gags and all the little elements in that. Uh, it's an extraordinary thing, and I think it just needs to be expanded upon, not necessarily changed. Yeah. So if you don't pay close attention to the real people. Uh, sort of walking around after the the fire truck sort of comes in and they and and look at their bad eighties nineties clothes and hyper color shirts and and you know sunglasses, <laughs> you almost would forget that the show is that old. And I think that's the interesting thing about this is the staying power of the classic Muppets. It doesn't need it has not needed to be refreshed. You don't need to introduce new characters or make make sort of wholesale changes to the integrity of the characters in the Muppets, um, and I think that's why the attractions in the films continue to sort of stand that that test of time. Absolutely, I mean, and there and there have been so many new Muppets come up in the past, you know, twenty years since that's come out. You have Walter now, um, and some of the other ones, Pepe, and who didn't get a real big role in Muppet Vision because he wasn't known at that point. They need their spotlight too. Now, now, then again, you could replace Waldo with Pepe, and I'd be perfectly okay with that. <laughs> Waldo did not maybe work out as they had hoped. Uh, Waldo, that that 3D animated character, was sort of meant to be that next. They were sort of testing that sort of the next introduction of sort of the big character that was going to have a presence at uh, Hollywood Studios and elsewhere in the parks. Did not work out as well as they had hoped. But Pepe the King Prawn would be a nice addition. <laughs> I don't know if I need a whole, you know swarm of Pepe's swimming around a theater, that image just, you know, it's a little disturbing. You know, but imagine bringing in, so in New York at FAO Schwartz, they have the Muppet Whatnot Shop mm-hmm. where you can create your own Muppet. Could you imagine Ryan Wilson, a Muppet Whatnot Shop, in that section of Hollywood Studios, starting to bring in, and I don't mean it as a way to make money. I mean it as a way to leverage our love of the Muppets and sort of creating your Muppet, it, it, you know, it almost fits better there than it does up in New York somewhere. I, I, I agree. And I, and it's not that I can imagine it. It's that I can't imagine why it's not there already. Yeah. You, and you have these spaces. You, you have the It's a Wonderful Shop or even Pizza Planet. You know, both of those spot spaces, especially Pizza Planet, would be a great place to put a, a giant whatnot shop. Um, and it just, yeah, I'm just waiting for the announcement because it, it feels like it should be there already. You've got build your own lightsaber. You need build your own Muppet. Yes. That's, that's not even a question. And then you can have, you can build your own Muppet lightsaber <laughs> it's so, so that your whatnot has the lightsaber to battle with you. Or Duffy the Bear. Duff, give Duffy a lightsaber, give Scooter a lightsaber and, and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, let's, see, let's see the mayhem. But, you know, too, no great idea at Disney ever dies. So that, you know, Gonzo's Pandemonium Pizza Parlor, which was originally planned to be at Mama Melrose's, could probably be fit in there with not too much difficulty. A Muppet movie ride, uh, you know, a Muppet parade. These are all things, and certainly I would start, I would maybe hope or expect to see the Muppets possibly coming into the parade because that, again, too, is a very simple way to plug them in without having to spend a lot of time and money building an attraction, but bringing the Muppets into the parks is maybe via parade. Right. We, you know, we plugged them in with the give a day, get a day campaign last year at the magic kingdom. And we, we, and we've seen it before in stars and motor cars. It's a real easy way to slip them in. 
Um, and you know, and with the great, you know, the great Muppet movie ride these days, we all have the bonus features. We know how movies are made, so why not see if you know, as Jim Henson said, a backstage ride explaining how movies are shot, but the information is all wrong. Let the Muppets get it all wrong. Let us see how it's how it's not done. <laughs> Exactly. Again, I think, um, and I think the backlot studio tour is is potentially a great opportunity. That whole space back there, um, mm-hmm. there is a lot of room for them to work with. Again, I would love to hear the creative ideas from the listeners. If you if you come to this week's show notes over at wdwradio.com, leave them in the comments section. I'd like to sort of keep this conversation going and hear some of your ideas of how much or how little of the Muppets you'd like to see come into the parks. In what way you'd like to do it. Maybe even expand it. You know, look, they have sort of princess-themed rooms. They've got pirates-themed rooms. There's been concept for Haunted Mansion-themed rooms. Who wouldn't want to stay in sort of a Muppet-themed room? A happiness hotel. There you go. (laughs) The next resort is the happiness hotel. Or the the great Gonzo's, you know, uh, action stunt (laughs) show over on Lights, Motors, Action's lot. I mean, come on. We can do anything. You can do a lot, and uh, I think it could be a lot of fun. And, yeah, I would certainly love to hear more from you guys about what you think about this current resurgence of the Muppets, what, if anything, you'd like to see come into uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios or elsewhere over in Walt Disney World and obviously potentially Disneyland and the other theme parks as well, too. Ryan Wilson, you are from MainStreetGazette.com in addition to being uh, a contributor over to Celebrations Magazine. But you, I say this all the time, and you are one of the guys who for years has consistently pumped out awesome, amazing content. I know you've got a couple of uh, things that you've sort of brought out of your archives, too. You have a, a great souvenir, sort of a, a Muppet pass, and I'd love to link to some of your Muppet content over at MainStreetGazette.com. We'll do that in this week's show notes. Thank you, as always, for uh, taking a little trip down memory lane with me to not only our childhood as, as Muppet fans, but decades ago as Walt Disney for World fans seeing the Muppets in the parks and uh, sort of looking ahead at what may be coming in the future. It's a pleasure, and I think I'm going to have to go catch another showing of the Muppets again now. I almost did a really bad Peppy the King Prawn impression, but I, I can't. Uh, I, I did impressions. Where are your impressions? <laughs> Doc Hopper's French fried frog legs. <laughs> frog legs, frog legs, frog legs are fine. Hoppers is a place you should die. <laughs> Cheese legs, bacon legs. Never mind. <laughs> French fried frog legs. Barbecue. If you want just a snack, then here is the one. A frog leg burger on a bright green bun. <laughs> I'm laughing so much. I want to pull out the Muppet phone, but I, I'm laughing. <laughs> Menomina. It's time to announce the winner of last week's Where in Walt Disney World Have You Heard This Contest? If you listened last week, you know that I played seven random sound clips from around Walt Disney World, and I told you they could have been shows, attractions, current or extinct, or just sounds from elsewhere around the resort. I played them with a radio tune in between, asked you 
to list in order all seven of those attractions and email them to contest at wdwradio.com. I gave you all a week to enter and you did not fail because we got tons and tons of entries, many correct entries as well. And what I did was randomly select from those correct entries one single winner. And because it is the holiday season, I am so grateful and thankful to all of you. I put together a prize package that includes all six of my audio tours on CD, Main Street, Adventureland, Fantasyland, Toontown, Liberty Square, and Frontierland, signed copies of both of my Walt Disney World trivia books, Volume 1 and 2, a signed copy of the first edition of Celebrations Magazine, and the all-new limited edition holiday book. And just for fun, I also put in a $25 iTunes gift card again. So before I tell you the winner, here are the clips once again. This time, I extended them out a little bit more. I'll give you a little bit more information, see if you can figure out what they might be now. Battle stations, report to the flight deck for immediate launch to infinity and beyond. over from HQ is a real featherweight. Ah, uh, he's probably some desk jockey. Never been up in a brain in his life. Before I throw these razor-sharp knives around the body of the volunteer, my assistant will place a bag over his head. Paper or plastic? Uh, <laughs> uh Rubella, this is all fake, right? Oh, no. The knives are very real and very sharp. Don't move an inch. Huh? All right, that's it. Get this bag off right now. Now, where was I? Oh, yes, the shipment. We still require the old gray tea, quinine, mosquito netting, and piano wire. I quite understand, sir. I'll see what we can do. Good, jolly good. Thank you, Colonel. Cheerio. Yeah, this is Mrs. Schmidt. The coffee shipment is ready for pickup. It is at the supply dock. Please. If you didn't get them last week, hopefully the additional bits of audio will help you figure out what they were. But here are the answers in order. The first was the cue of Buzz Lightyear's Space Ranger Spin. The second was a little tricky. Those That was actually from Splash Mountain. Those were the, sort of the inside caverns on Chickapin Hill. The third was the Tumble Monkey section of the Festival of the Lion King show over at Disney's Animal Kingdom. The fourth came from the queue and the pre-show movie over at Test Track. Number five was a little old school. We went Cranium Command in the queue at the old Wonders of Life Pavilion in Epcot. Number six, kind of possibly old school again too, Sounds Dangerous starring Drew Carey. And number seven, 
Remember, it's always important to not only look around, but listen carefully too, because that audio clip came from the queue of the Jungle Cruise over in Adventureland. And again, we had a ton of correct entries. I want to thank all of you for taking the time and playing. Hope you had fun along the way. And the winner of the Disney and iTunes gift card prize package is Francine Giordano from somewhere in New York. So Francine, congratulations on winning. Uh, Send me your address and I'll get your prize package right out to you. And definitely stay tuned. Going to bring back the contest on a little bit more of a frequent level. So we'll do everything from where in the world have you heard this? We'll do name that Disney World tune. Lots of different ideas for some contests that we're going to bring back to not only let you have some fun, but maybe learn a little bit along the way. So thank you again, and congratulations to everybody who got all seven of the answers correct. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks so much for taking the time and tuning in. Hope you enjoyed our look back and forward at the Muppets in Walt Disney World. Again, please be sure you come by the website over at wdwradio.com. Leave your comments on the show notes for show number 251. While you're there, be sure and explore the entire site, including our discussion forums, videos, and new daily blog posts. We actually have our WDW Radio holiday project where we're sending cards and gifts to soldiers overseas. Our Christmas tree went Disney contest and lots more on the WDW Radio blog. We just posted our 2,000th blog post and new schedule of recurring daily features and articles. Again, you can visit wdwradio.com slash blog. I also want to hear from you. I want you to be a part of the show. So you can email me at lou at wdwradio.com with questions you want answered on the show. Or you can call the voicemail, be heard on the air at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1. In addition to the podcast, don't forget to come by, watch, and chat during our live weekly broadcast every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern over at www.radiolive.com. There we'll talk about and interact with you as you ask and answer questions about this week's Walt Disney World news. And don't worry, if you can't catch it live, you can also watch it on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash wwradio or also catch the audio only in the iTunes feed. Be sure and come by, subscribe to the show, and rate and review the show over on iTunes as well. Don't forget, I also want you to be part of the WW Radio family and the community. Come by and meet other Disney fans, not only on our discussion forums, but in person at Meet to the Month. Our next one is actually going to be this Saturday, December 10th at 12 noon, over at Sleepy Hollow Refreshments in Liberty Square at the Magic Kingdom. I'll have holiday gifts for everyone while supplies last in order just to say kind of thanks for a, a great year. Don't forget, too, to also follow me over on Twitter. I am at Lou Mangiello at Facebook. It's facebook.com slash Radio, And on Google+, Plus, you can visit loumangelo.com slash G+, G-P-L-U-S, to get over to my Google Plus page. Come over me and circle me over there. Don't forget, too, you can still order the Celebrations Magazine Limited Edition 120-page hardbound holiday book. They are shipping now, but we are still going to order the pre-order price of just $19.95. Again, 120 pages, hundreds of brand new color photos, behind-the-scenes stories of the holiday celebrations past and present at Walt Disney World. Again, visit celebrationspress.com for more information. Big thanks, as always, to my partners and sponsors, Mouse Fan Travel, 
They're my official and recommended travel provider because that's who I use, whether you're going to Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Adventures by Disney, Disney Cruise Line, like our WDW Radio Cruise on the Disney Dream. Check that out over at WDWRadioCruise.com. That's coming up next November, but you can also visit MouseFan for a free, no-obligation quote, great discount and service, again, at MouseFanTravel.com. When you come to Walt Disney World, maybe you want to stay in something a little bit different than a regular resort room, something a little bit bigger. You want to bring the family or extended family or some friends. Did you know that you can get two-bedroom condos up to nine-bedroom homes within just a couple of miles of Walt Disney World? They all have kitchens, game rooms, multiple master bedrooms, great amenities, pools, and lots more. Visit our friends over at allstarvacationhomes.com. And if you want to stay right in the heart of Walt Disney World, be able to walk or take a boat over to Disney's Hollywood Studios or Epcot, Disney's Boardwalk, have access to 17 world-class restaurants and lounges like Blue Zoo, Il Molino, and Shula's, and sleep on the most comfortable beds on property, visit the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin. They have lots of great stuff going on for the holidays right now. And as always, my friends, and you are my friends, whether we have met yet or not, all I ask is that if you like the show, please go out and help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share the link on Facebook or Google+. And please come by rate and review the show over on iTunes and also please remember that there is no time like today to start pursuing your passion. This week would mark Walt Disney's 110th birthday so heed his advice to quit talking start doing, be curious and always keep moving forward. Thank you so very much again for listening. I hope you guys have a great week this week so until next time see ya. Hi, Lou. Paula Smith calling from Lake City, Texas. Hi, I wanted to comment on uh, show number 250, uh, your conversation with Jim Corcus and the Orange Bird. Of course, everything, every time you have Jim on is great. He's an amazing storyteller, and the dynamic between you two, it, you can just feel it. it. It's really entertaining. I enjoyed it very much. But coupled with the fact that you had a topic of the little Orange Bird and how much I remember him growing up, uh, my family would take road trips all the way from Texas, and the first thing you hit, you hit Florida, was oranges. And the presence of the Florida uh, Growers Association, was it Citrus Growers Association, was so strong. Um, and the little orange bird was synonymous with that. So I do have fond memories of him. I was glad to see uh, re- a reemergence of him over the past several years in the blogs. And, of course, eventually at Disney, picked up an little orange bird shirt this past year at Epcot at the American Pavilion, nonetheless. And I wear it fondly, and it's interesting to see people's comments about it, because I think they remember him. They may not remember from where, but they do remember him. So thanks again. Had a nice time listening to that conversation about the orange bird and reminiscing about my youth. Thanks again. Love your show. Bye. Hi, Lou. This is Melina from Denver. Just wanted to call to let you know that I love your show. I um, stumbled upon it sometime this summer, and I can't believe I've gone years without knowing about it. But um, I'm having fun—excuse <clears throat> me—playing uh, fun. I'm having fun playing catch up with the uh, with the podcast. I wanted to let you know that um, last week I signed up and joined the um, WDW Radio Running Team, and I'm really looking forward to meeting you and the rest of the team in January during Marathon Weekend. Speaking of which, um, I wanted to share that today I completed my first marathon distance, yes, 26.2 miles, in preparation for the race through the world on January 8th. Couldn't have done it without my husband, my own Prince Charming, by my side. And for all of you out there listening and thinking there's no way you could do a Disney race, 
I encourage you to check out Run Disney Consultant Jeff Galloway's Run Walk Method. It really and truly works. Thanks for all you do, Lou. You've got a friend in me. Yeah.